Hello friends and welcome to the Everton Newsfeed Toffee Blues podcast with yours truly, Max Carlisle. Look, to be an Evertonian and not know about this, you must have been living under a rock for the last couple of months, but November saw the release of Everton, Howard's Way, a film directed by the brilliant Rob Sloman, dedicated to the Blues' most successful side and of course, the one and only late great Howard Kendall. To celebrate the launch, me and a few of our lads were invited to the media day, which started at the 85 Lounge in Goodison and ended in St George's Hall, which was blue from head to toe. Also in attendance, and together for the first time in 30 years, were members of the coveted 80s squad. Put together in podcast form, you're about to hear the exclusive interviews with Peter Reid, Derek Mountfield, Graham Sharp and Andy Gray. Everton legends, without any shadow of a doubt, and I almost had to pinch myself at times mid-interview to appreciate and understand that I was talking to absolute legends. Um, Without further ado, I I really do hope you enjoy the interviews, because I did. Joining me now at the Howard's Way Media Day... None of that. Um, Peter Reid, uh, sat below a picture of the man himself. Right. Ideal. Uh, Howard brought you to Everton in '82. Within yeah. three years, you'd won PFA Players Player of the Year. You'd won the European and League double. Mm. Um, what made that relationship work so well? Because if I'm correct in saying you linked up with him later on in Manchester City, didn't you? Um, well, when he signed me, I failed the medical. Um, so it was a big call because he was, uh, you know, it wasn't all rose at the time. So I think he signed me and Andy when we both failed our, our respective medicals. So it's a big leap of faith, isn't it? Yeah. You know, signing somebody. And uh, it's fair to say my first training session wasn't great. I've heard. Cause, uh, Celebrated I the right oh, way. I'd, yeah. Uh, I was. Oh, I was diabolical and bouncing <laughs> off me I couldn't run I was seeing two of the ball and uh, he pulled me afterwards and said and I said I own up I, I, I got bevied last night I'm a disgrace and he said to me uh, do you like a drink lad and I went yeah and he went you've got a great ta- you've got a great chance at this football club now it's funny but the sports psychology behind that is brilliant because I'm running through a brick wall for this fella. Mm. And that's ultimately what I did and, and certainly the squad of players did. And that was that was uh, great management and great psychology for you. Yes. And he had that. He had that in abundance. Yeah. How was that settling in process? Obviously like as a as a local lad, I know you grew up a red, mm. but coming into the side rather than being someone who's come through the ranks, how well, did they find it? Um well, I did all right first, then I got injured. Shock, horror. Um, so I had this, I done my knee again, so I had a spell of like in and out. Um, but you know, when you sign for a, a club like Everton and it's got a, well, it is traditionally massive and a great history, it's something that you want to make, 
you want it to work. Of course. You want to do your best for it, and obviously the success uh, the, over the park made it magnified. So once we got it going, it was a great place to be, and, and hey, playing at this uh, stadium when it's rocking, it doesn't get any better. And fortunately for me, even though it's a long time ago, I was part of a team that made this stadium rock, and it was great. It was of course, and um, what seemed like a catalyst to propel us to really compete alongside Liverpool for honours was the appointment of Colin Harvey. Uh, yeah, I think From, from reserve coach. to yeah. first team coach. How did he compliment Howard as, as his assistant? Well, Mickey was involved, he was bubbly, but uh, Colin was uh, really good in the training pitch. Yeah, where you, you were always at it. Um, great personality. Uh, two of them were great players in their own right. Um, and, and to be fair, they used to join in on the occasion. And you could tell the, yeah. the, the ability they had. So they set standards and, you know, high standards. And we got to them high standards. And, um, you know, every if you fell just below that, you were told in no uncertain terms, mm. and that's that's good manager. It's a good coach. Yeah, you mentioned obviously there, there were some nights where you had this place absolutely rocking, mm -hmm. and and as you'd imagine, a good portion of this this film is dedicated to that that second leg, yeah, your, yeah, European yeah. semi-final against Bayern Munich. What I found particularly interesting from yourself is almost like a, a tactical analysis, saying that in from the first leg, how how would it set up as midfield yes. yeah. was just. Perfect. Could you just yeah. delve into that sort of tactical side of things? Well, I think she was um, struggling with the ankle. Andy um, wasn't 100% because I think we had a semi-final against Luton. We went away to Munich on Wednesday, then we had a FA Cup semi-final. So I think Alan Harper come in, mm. Kevin Richardson come in on the right side, Harper on the left, or might have been the other way around. Me and Brace, and then he played Trevor Stephen off Sharpie. And um, they were the good sides, and um, we uh, we sort of condensed the middle of the park and made it a tight game. And tactically, the manager got right on the day. You know, to go to go to a place like that and, and come away, you know, with a draw and yeah, not conceding, it was uh, it was a terrific result. Terrific. Brought it back to our yeah, place. Yeah, it was clever. clever. Obviously, uh, a lot's been said about the atmosphere. Um, how that felt for the players, particularly like standing there waiting to go out in the tunnel. Yeah, how, how before the game, sitting there changing room, what were the what were the emotions? Mm. How were well, you feeling? Well, I tell you what, it, it, the October we we gone to Liverpool and won one nil Sharpies goal. Yeah. The following Saturday we beat Man U five nil. On the Wednesday we had to go to Old Trafford in the League Cup. Now why I'm saying this. Them 10 days, we beat Man United home and away, good team, mm. and we've won at Anfield. That gives us the confidence, put us in good stead for that Bayern Munich game. You know, even though it's a massive game, semi-final, you're playing against Matthias Levy, Argentina, Hones, Dremler, whoever, we know we could, play, we could take on the best in the world and beat them. Yeah. So it was just a... I mean, the place was rocking. I, I, I just, uh, I remember going out for the warm-up, and it was, it was uh, Adrian Heath who was injured. Did uh, something for Granada reports on the telly, and he come in. He says it's packed. He said it's, it's like 45 minutes for the kick-off. He says it's chocker. He said, and it's the atmosphere is unbelievable. We went out, and 
you just knew then there was something special about the atmosphere and then we had to go and make that special atmosphere make it if you like work on the park make it count and we did we did uh, and it was it was tough because they they nicked one ahead and obviously we've got to get two then and they were a good side but i'll tell you what uh, i've got to say the crowd did help us on that day yeah well, without a doubt Oh, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's the quote, that's it. That's it, and it's right. That's all he, he, he said. That he said that, and um, the crowd certainly spared us on in that game. And uh, how could I? We blew him away. Second half, we blew him yeah. away. Watching that game back, I wouldn't be surprised if you've still got some bumps and bruises from it. To be honest, yeah, I had very... six stitches at half time in really? the skin injury. The geezer did me a beauty, um, but. Hey, listen, uh, the doctor put the stitches in and in, f in fact I went to hospital after the game and the lads were all on the lash in town and I was in Lourdes with my feet up because the leg had swelled up, but I played on the Saturday. Wow, like, just things like that you mentioned there, you know, th these quick turnarounds between, you know, cup games, European games, league games, particularly with someone who's had a history of injury mm. problems, how did you, how did you well, put yourself in? <coughs> well, the, the the semi-final against Luton, where uh, we'd seen it through an extra time, I was hopeless. Oh, I was useless, couldn't move my legs. Oh. In fact, the, I only started playing the next time. I couldn't get myself going. Brace was brilliant. Brace did all the work, yeah. and Brace was brilliant. And then she did, who, Kevin, who'd missed the game, like, uh, bobbled one in, but and then knocked a, a free kick, which was Kevin Sheedy. You know, if you wanted anybody in the world, to hit a dead ball and get it in the right area, Sheedy was there, sticks it on Derek's head and it goes in the net. But what, what it is, uh, even though it was tough coming back, we've seen it through. I mean, sometimes in football matches, you're not going to play well all the time. But if you've got a, a desire to not get beat and to win games, it shows through. And that's what that squad of players, and I include. Alan Harper and Kevin Richardson, who was absolutely outstanding. Brilliant squad and that's, players. And that, well, great players. And they're great characters. And, and that's what we had. That's what we had. And, and, and Luton were a good side, a tough side. Um, and it was hard. Ricky Hill, Mick Harford, Foster, Don. I want to say Monfield had a broken nose on that Yeah, we see it. Well, if you're playing against McCarford and, and, and Luton, <laughs> it does get a bit physical. And Mick's a great pal of mine nowadays. So. Yeah. But it was. Hey, it was it was good time to it was a great time to play football and it was a great great club but for me a really good balanced football team who had the de who had the desire and an ability to to play football and then you had a goalie who was the best in the world so was he he was the best so? oh without a doubt yeah without a doubt well. I think the, the general consensus from my family, fans, they said that European Cup Winners' Cup final against Vienna was a bit of a non-entity because that, you know, that Bayern Munich game almost felt like the final. What, what was the, the mentality going into that? Obviously we got the job done, but did we feel, did we feel like it was won before it was actually The mentality won? was Celtic had played them and had to play a rearranged game at Old Trafford because it got someone throwing something bottles on the pitch and Celtic had won it or drew it, so the game was played. And we were convinced, I went with Sharpie, Inchy, Andy Gray, we all went to Old Trafford and we said, 
Celtic are going to win this. Rapid Vienna won 3 0. Mm. And we couldn't believe it. And I, I, we just went, we'll beat these. Yeah. And it wasn't an overconfidence, it wasn't an arrogance, it was a belief. And we just knew we were going to win. And we did. That, all, all great sides have that, don't yeah, well, yeah, yeah, self assured. It, it borders on arrogance. Yeah, I think it does, but it, it, it's, it, it's a supreme confidence in your teammates and in how you, you get the job done. And that's what we had. Yeah. Massive. How did, because from what I've heard, obviously, like my dad has said, from from going to Rotterdam, you had to make it back in two yeah, days. Yeah, it was tough. To Wembley. Do you, do you think that, obviously, you've just won Everton's first major European honour? Yeah. Celebrated it too hard there, or? Well, it, 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 listen, we had an FA Cup. We played on the Wednesday, we got back Thursday morning, we had an FA Cup final. But if you're a successful team, it comes with it. Yeah. I, by the way, I hope we're like this in the next few, few years. I certainly You know so. what I mean? I'd, I'd settle for that now. Everton being be in, in big semi finals <laughs> and finals within a few days because you know you got a good side. I'd certainly like to hope so. Yeah. Um, just want to ask as well, obviously, you were involved, you were involved in that England setup. Uh, the, yeah. the Mexico World Cup worked under another fantastic manager in, yeah. in Sir Bobby Robson. He, his, his influence is, is still prominent in football today, yeah. I feel, you know, with the likes of Mourinho. Very Guardi enthusiastic man. Guardiola. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. in terms of his methods, how did he compare to, to Howard? Uh, very similar, very enthusiastic, good knowledge about the game, and um, belief in his players. He had a great belief in his players, um, and, and that's what shone through. You know, because uh, in in the Mexico campaign and then in the um, European Championships and then the next World Cup, he got a lot of stick. Yeah, Bobby Robson, but he's seen it through, and he, and that's where you have confidence in your players and you back your players, and it's a gift. Just to end as well, obviously down to St George's Hall tonight to to watch the film. Looking forward to it. I am. Yeah, Sharpie's seen it. I I haven't seen it. I'm looking forward to watching the movie and I'm looking forward to loads of red wine and getting absolutely, well, having a few. Mm -hmm. I can't say what I wanted to say in camera. Nah, certainly. Well, you know what I mean, don't you? Yeah, I do. Peter, <laughs> pleasure, mate. Thank you very much. Joining me now is the goal scorer of the all important <laughs> league clincher against QPR in 85, Derek Mountfield. First and foremost, I've just got to ask, like, I was doing my research, obviously. I, I was born in 98, unfortunately, didn't get to experience any of it. I can tell you born in 98. But, <laughs> how many goals do you get in that 84, 85 Not season? enough. 15? Not enough. How are you scoring that many from centre-half? Uh, quality service. If you've got Trevor, Stephen, Kevin Sheedy putting balls oh. in the right areas, and Andy Gray and me, Charlotte making different runs, you're going to score goals. I could have got 20-plus that season. And Did. with the own goals, probably 30. Um, <laughs> But no, it was just quality service. I used to be a striker as a yeah. youngster until I was about 30, 14. And so it was the instinct still there. Did you get that many in training? Oh, I, was, I love scoring goals in training. I love scoring goals full stop. Um, we didn't work on it. I just knew the board's my area. I'd, I'd do my best to get my head, my foot, my backside, my nose, my yeah. hand, anything. They got this, like the goal against QPR. VR would now give it as a dubious goal to the goalkeeper as an own goal. Mm. But I'm claiming it. It's in the box. It's at the back of his head. It's gone in. I don't care. Um, no, we didn't work in, specifically work on it, but we always did shoot and crashes and training. So I always joined in there, crossing and finish. I joined in. So, but it, I, I, I maintain it's all down to the service. I, when I went to Aston Villa, I had Gordon Cowan doing the same down there, and I got 17, 18 goals at Villa in three years. Fair enough. It's all about quality service. Sometimes 
you see boys now they can't beat, beat, can't even beat the first man. We had yeah. quality delivery all the Fair time. And, and still only at the end of that season, I think still only like the fourth highest goal scorer. I think I was joint fifth, yeah. I think fourth or fifth. I think Sharpie, Trevor, Sheeds, and Andy beat me. I think I might be level with Inchy. Inchy played half a season, didn't that's, he? That's that's a testament to how yeah. balanced that's. Well, you look at the six players in double figures. Now some teams don't even get. I got a centre forward getting 12 goals this season, never mind 14. Mm. Um, if I'm known for my goal scoring, I'd like to be known for defending at the same time. Very true. <laughs> Very true. And just to move on, I hesitate to mention it, but you look at Trent Alexander Arnold at Liverpool right now uh, and how much it means to him seeing him you know, achieve what he's achieving the other side of the park. How was it for you as a local lad coming through in that side and you know, reaching those heights? For, for me, I still. Pinch myself to believe it happened to this young lad who was born in Tubig, brought up on the Whittle, had a season to get on the street end till the till it was till the eighty one season when I got in the first team at Tramway at nineteen. Um, and you start thinking, wow, what does it mean to me? Well I've got a piece of paper at home and it's my contract. And that means more to me than anything else. That said that I'd play for Everton, I'd sign for Everton Football Club. Not I'd play for them, I'd sign. That was enough for me. Yeah. The next six years were just, whoa, what's happening surreal. here? It's like a surreal dream, pinch myself, uh, honoured to, to sign, but delighted to do what I did for the team and the club. Um, I didn't see it coming. I don't speak to Andy, Reedy, Trevor. We never saw what happened coming. But to be part of that team as a blue, with yeah. my mates on the street end in the same spot we used to stand as kids, it's it's still quite surreal for me to think about and it. As, as it happens, as you mentioned, like you can't really process it because like when you look at that fixture list from that time, just thick and fast. It was it? game, game, game. It was Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday. No, no breaks, no Lucasades, no massages, <laughs> no energy drinks. It was pints of lager, cups of tea, and steak on a Friday night. It was it was all the wrong things. But when you're winning games, you're successful. You could eat all the wrong things and drink all the wrong things. Yeah. You want to play football, you want to win, you want to keep that momentum rolling. Yeah. And we, we kept it going for the best part of three and a half seasons. I know we, I know we fell short in that 85 FA Cup campaign. Obviously, won it the year before. Yep. Out of those, those cup runs that we achieved, and obviously the, the, the title winning campaign, and obviously in 87 again, if you could take your pick out of the one that meant most to you, what would it be? The one that means most to me is the first one. FA Cup. And that, winning the FA Cup, but I just did, I've done today interviews, but the Milk Cup final in '84, we got to the final and we went, hey, we're good enough. Yeah. We might have lost mm -hmm. it, but that was the incentive and impetus for us to kick on to the next one. And by reaching the Milk Cup final, we then kept it going and reached the FA Cup final and won it. And that was the start of what it was. But for me, the first one's the best one to win. It's the hardest one to win. I know that you say that it's only a seven-game sprint. Yeah. And the marathon is the league of 42 in those days, but the FA Cup was the first, the first trophy Everton won in 14, 15 years. Yeah. And to be part of it, I thought, oh, this is great, I've yeah. won something. Never expected the following season to be even better. Yeah. And again, to, it, was, it was a dream, and it, I, I think that was, but the Milk Cup final was the catalyst. Mm. You know, we might have won the FA Cup, but the, getting to the Milk Cup final and pushing Liverpool so far and so hard, that proved that we could do it. And then we just went from there, it was just a, a progressive, we're better, we're better. We've got a belief, we're going to keep going. We looked after each other on the field of play yeah. and off the field of play. 
we worked hard in training. Colin Harvey's standards were so high that you do it right in training, you do it right on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. You're not sloppy in training, you get sloppy on a Saturday. Yeah. And everything just went from one to one to one. And I look back now and I still can't believe what we did in such a short space of time. Yeah. But it was, for me as an Everton fan, it was joyful. It was a dream come true for me. And my mates loved it because they'd have to rush out and purchase tickets from the shop. They got the tickets off me every week for the cup finals, so they were made up with it. Brilliant, and obviously you mentioned all those successes behind you for all that. Neville Southall, best goalkeeper in the world. Nah, at rubbish. The time. Complete and utter rubbish until I played in front of him, and I made him the best of the world. <laughs> I gave him lots to do. Um, no, Neville, we, we, talk, we, we talk about Neville all the time. If you look at Neville now and you see the size of him, I remember the last, the last pitch of him playing for Bradford City when he was slightly overweight. It does him no justice. No. From 84 onwards, for best spot of 10 years. For me, he was the best in the world. Schmeichel was probably the best in the Premier League, but I think Neville was, was better than him. He was just outstanding. He made the game look easy. He did. He was He was different. Neville always will be different. Mm-hmm. But he made saves and they go, what about that save? It was just a save. Yeah. That one at Tottenham, just a save. He, he doesn't gloat. He's just, he was just Can't outstanding. Swear. I knew that if, he, if, I, if I let it go, if Rats didn't get him, never get him behind me. And he made some outstanding saves, but what a goalkeeper. For yeah. me, the best in the world of, of, of that generation. As I mentioned, I was born in, in 98, and just to conclude, if you could pick someone to play alongside you at centre-half of Everton of the last 15 years, who would you go for? For me, if I was to pick, I'm inclined to me ball-playing centre-halves. Yeah. I, I love John Stones. John Stones, so possibly, me, I, yeah. Probably I, I, I think I'd like to play alongside Richard Goff as well. Yeah. Because I thought he was a very good footballer. Again, we probably got him too late in his career. Mm. Same with Nigel Martin when he came a bit too late in his career. But Richard Goff was a good footballer yeah, okay. as well as a good defender. But maybe John Stones, me and John Stones. I'd probably tell him not to do that drag back in the six-yard box. I'd probably <laughs> kick him into the stands. But I'm the old fashioned of the I was told to get rid of it and not take chances. But the new way they play football now, they to encourage to play football and are we producing footballers rather than defenders? Yeah. And that's my big worry with football now. But I think I'll go with Richard Goff. I'm going I'm to I'm be different. I'm going to go with Richard Fair Goff. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> just finally, looking forward to tonight? Yes, very much so. Done all the work for it. I found more rubbish in my loft than as I had. <laughs> as Rob, Rob Stone will probably tell you. But it's good to be back together. I'm looking forward to the film and I'm more looking forward to the the chats afterwards with a few beers around to get back together and reminiscent as a group of lads rather than keeping saying you did this as a group of lads mentioning games and coming back to memories. Joining me now is the top goal scorer of the 84-85 season, Graham Sharp. Uh, I was hoping to get Andy Gray alongside you because as I said I feel like you complement each other really well but from, for you Graham just to, to talk about first and foremost the the cup campaign that got the silverware show on the road, so to speak, mm-hmm. that 84 yeah. FA Cup success against Watford, obviously goal scorer in the final too. Mm-hmm. Derek Monfield was just saying to me that he felt like the Milk Cup was the catalyst that kicked us on to really get that hunger for silverware. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I think it helped. I think obviously, you know, getting to the League Cup final and again at Wembley, we should have won the game. Uh, unfortunate to lose the replay 1 0, but it gave us a taste of. You know what it was like to be like reaching cup finals and getting through, you know, games. We were getting closer and closer to Liverpool. Uh, it showed in, in the first game at Wembley we should have won, and another refereeing decision went against us. Mm. But it gave us a belief that, hey, hold on, cup competitions were as good as anybody else. Obviously, we get to, to the Watford Cup final. I think the experience of being at Wembley before earlier in the season 
helped us against Watford. Obviously, we were favourites going into the game against Watford, but Watford had a good team. You know, John Barnes, Morris mm. uh, Johnson, the big boy Riley up front, uh, Callaghan in the wing. So they had a good team, and whilst we were big, big favourites, we still knew we had to do a job. But you know, I think the first half was was tight. They had a couple of opportunities, but I think once the first goal went in and we scored the goal. It was only going to be one winner, and then obviously Andy scores in the second half, and I think we we run out quite comfortable winners. But the League Cup final helped us, but I think winning the FA Cup made us believe that this this was it. Now we could go from there and challenge, you know, Liverpool, uh, challenge at the top of the table, you know, win the things. So I think the the first trophy you win is always the most important one for me, and I think that, that's still the same in football now. And I think even the present day players, we were, we were unfortunately lost an FA Cup final. I think if they'd have won that, they would have kept on to bigger and better things, but wasn't to be for them. But certainly for us, I thought the Watford final was, was massive. Brilliant. And of course, during that time, you had a formidable partnership with Adrian Heath. Mm. I've, heard, I've heard Graham himself say mm. at the time, you know, just from a, as a spectator, it was the best front two in the country. I'd just like to ask, obviously, the, the horrible ACL, ACL injury that occurred. How did you have to adapt your game to play alongside Gray? Well, people ask me the question about the, the best players I've played with, and you know, in Shandy and, and Gary Lineker are always in the, the, the top three. Mm. Uh, as a footballer, Adrian was was brilliant. We'd never, we had a hard time when he first came up to the football club, and then he moved up and we, we struck up a partnership and it was a partnership we didn't have to work on you know it just came automatically I knew what he was going to do he knew what I was going to do we worked close in those days he played with a front two so it was good to have an understanding so when Adrian got injured it was a massive blow because he was right on the, uh, the verge of being called up for England so it was a massive in those days ACLs were career threatening injuries you know the, the technology is a lot better now to deal with them but Adrian had a really tough time to come back from that so when he got injured obviously the, the partnership was, was changing and it was me and Andy and I think a lot of the, uh, the punters you know the press the, the, the public ever said it wouldn't work because we were too similar mm. two big uh, centre forwards uh, same sort of players but I think that made us more determined to say this will work because yeah. he was one of the guys Andy was was one of the guys who, when he came into the team, was really he was brilliant in terms of he grasped a group of young players who were struggling a little bit to give them that fight and desire to be the best we could possibly be. Because him coming on on board and the two of us playing up front, people say that it brought my game on to another level. Mm. Uh, Andy was was a good footballer, but he was a tough, tough guy as well. Yeah. You know, and, and when you went on that football pitch, you knew in the football pitch, sorry, you knew wow. you were in a battle and you were in a battle and you were going to win that battle and he was excellent uh, so he came in uh, we struck up immediately because we were good friends off the field anyway yeah. uh, he hates me saying this but he was my hero when I was a kid growing up uh, he's obviously older than me uh, but it was and when he was coming from Aston Villa that was a dream come true for me I'm thinking wow I'm going to actually play with somebody that I look, look up to and idolise him yeah. Villa. so you know he was a, he was a fantastic uh, partner to play alongside him and it was a different setup then because we went probably a lot more aerially yeah. where Adrian was more into feet but certainly didn't affect the team yeah and obviously both two Scottish lads mm -hmm. coming up to Liverpool mm -hmm. um, something that I feel like the film captures exceptionally well and as someone born in 98 I didn't really get to experience mm -hmm. it the social political climate yeah. in the city yeah. at the time yeah. how did you find that uh, as a player coming in and did that almost bolster your relationship with the, with the fans, for, with the success to follow? I think coming from Glasgow, the two, two similar cities, Glasgow and Liverpool, but Liverpool in that time 
was tough. It's always got the reputation as being a tough city, but I'm talking about really tough. And obviously unemployment, uh, you know, the, the talks with riots and the unrest with the, the government and everybody else. It was a tough place to, to, to live. And, and, and But football was kind of a release for everybody. Yeah. When you look at the crowds at that time and they've been successful in the trips to Wembley and you're thinking, how are these guys affording that? How are they getting to the games? You know, so football brought everybody together. Shows how much it meant to them. Yeah, it did, and it brought them together. It was a release for them because they did all the things during the week of unemployment, queuing up in the dole office and everything else. So this was a release. We had to get out there, and it was a great time to play, but it was a tough time being in the city when you looked at all the the deprivation at times as well. You look at the riots and everything that ensued in that. You look at people unemployment, the reputation it got wasn't great. You know, the, the Scousers got a, a bad reputation throughout the country. So they were fighting against everybody. Mm. They were fighting against everybody. And I think that led to the team as well. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, we did that transfer into yeah, the side? Yeah, we got into the team. And obviously we had a couple of Scousers. Obviously Reedy uh, was probably the most prominent Scouser on the team. Yeah, and Mountfield uh, too. Yeah, and Derek was as well kind of thing. But, you know, they had to endure all that as well. So we were fighting for... Not just Everton, but we were fighting for, for Merseyside as well. You know, and I think the, the trips to, to Wembley, the Liverpool fans there as well, 100,000 people in Wembley, it was a common occurrence. Mm. And I just think it brought Merseyside closer and closer together because they had been through an awful lot with everything that had happened. And it was great for the football fans to go and support the team, knowing that they were the best in the yeah, country. Yeah, of course. Mm. To what extent did that transfer over to the European ties? Because I know. Obviously, when you're talking about the great night at Goodison, mm. you can't help but mention that, mm-hmm. that formidable night at Goodison Park when we mm-hmm. beat Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the mentality, not just at home, but away from home? Yeah, yeah I think it did. Listen, we, we were fortunate enough that we had a, we had a team spent, I was just speaking to some of the lads before about, we, have, we never ever thought we were going to get beat. And that wasn't being big-headed or blasé or whatever kind of thing, but we had this fantastic team spirit, team ethic. That what winning we, teams have. Yeah, but we have to run through a brick wall to, to achieve that. You know, we, it's not just going to be trapped because we'd won a few games before, you know, it's going to, somebody's going to give it to you. We knew that we had to still be at that standard, you know, to win those games, whether it be Sheffield Wednesday away or whether it be Bayern Munich away or whatever. We had that ethic and desire to be the best we possibly could be. Nobody could ever, ever drop their standards at the football club. Nowhere. If you, your standards dropped, you went in the team. It was as simple as that. There was an easy decision forever to make. But that never happened because we had, and people talk about Kevin Ratcliffe being the captain and what a good captain he was, but we had 11 captains. You know, if one wasn't doing it, 10 would tell him. Easy. We didn't, we didn't have fights in the dressing room or anything like that. Somebody would speak and automatically they would get your attention and you listened. So we had, we had, we had a great team spirit, a great camaraderie, going away from home, seeing... The supporters travelling to far-flung places, thinking what they've been out to actually get to these places. It was a brilliant time to be a footballer. Really, really good time to be a footballer. To what extent was that that that, that work ethic, that desire to run through a brick wall? To what extent was that instilled by Howard? I would say, for, for myself personally, it was more Colin because I because a lot of players had grown up with with Colin and the Gary Stevens, myself, uh, Kevin Ratcliffe, Derek Mountfield. We'd all came through the reserves and Colin was a coach here and Colin was very hard on the young players. Nowadays you probably couldn't get away with it, they'd probably call it bullying. But we were brought up in a way that to say this is what you have to do at Everton Football Club, these are the standards you have to get to and that you have to keep. You know, and that was from 
being a youngster, you know, and it was hard work being a youngster as well. Everton training in the afternoons, you know, running everything else. People think it was easy being a footballer, but you had to work extremely hard. But what what we had then was that every one of our players had the same thing. They'd been brought up the same way that this is what you had to do to be a footballer, to be the top footballer, to challenge for, for trophies. You had to reach these standards. And that wasn't, Colin Harvey was a great believer in standards off the field. Like if you came to, if you came to training, you'd have to come to training smart. Yeah. You couldn't come dressed any way you want, you'd have to come smart because you were representing Everton Football Club. You had great pride for Everton Football Club and Colin was a big, big stickler. He'd been a player there, Howard had been a player. He knew what it meant to play for Everton, he knew what the standards were and that's what they kept pushing through the whole football club. So Colin, you know, when the youth coach was still having the same standards that you'd expect from the first team. So I think that's very important to have standards as a football club and I think that that's why and Howard was a great one that when he went to look for players to sign they had to fit into the group mm. he wouldn't have anybody who would disrupt the group you know so every signing which was good on the field it was also good off the field as well and he was a great believer that your team spirit had to be together to have any chance of winning things Brilliant and family to conclude looking forward to tonight yeah I am it's good to see the guys again you know obviously they're all living you know all over the world now and in in Qatar and Trevor in Dubai and Gary in Australia so it's great when we meet up and the, the good thing that people always remark on is the fact that it's this, as if it's, you've not changed and we haven't when we get together we'll have a good time and a good laugh a few beers uh, but still very very close and that just shows you what we had in, in those days and it, it's something that, that we'll never lose and it's it's great up to meet, meet up with teammates but it's also great to meet up with mates right to do it in the name of the gaffer Yeah, too. yeah, and the, the Howard was, was brilliant and we, we, all, we all had our fallouts with Howard but what he was, he was down to earth, knew the standards of Everton Football Club and made sure everybody did as well. Joining me now from the very blue St George's Hall, the one, the only, since one of the greatest number nine to grace the fields of Goodison to be fair, Andy Gray, just got to ask first and foremost, the the trophy that got the show on the road, so to speak, the '84 FA Cup. When you when you come into that side, you've you've, you've obviously won previous individual honours at Villa, at Wolves. You've won two League Cups. Something that a lot of people argue is missing from this current crop of Ever- Evertonians, and has been missing for a fair while. How did you integrate that winning mentality into the side? Well, that was that was pretty easy, actually. Um... We came in, and not just me. Peter Reid was was probably the other one. I, I met Reedy. Um, I had actually met Reedy when I was at Wolves because Wolves tried to were going to sign Reedy, but they didn't, and they ended up at Everton. And then I met Peter when I got here, and I thought I found a like-minded character. He was. I, I loved his personality. I loved him to bits. I saw myself in him. He saw himself in me. We were older than the the kids that were there. Yeah. But the one thing that people like Sharpie and Gary Stephen, Trevor Stephen, Sheedy, Radcliffe, all these people Neville Southall wanted to do was, was, was win things. And it was, it was easy, actually. But I do think that we kind of guided them. I don't think we are responsible. They, were the, they had the talent. The older they had heads. all the talent. You were the older heads, though, to the third Yeah, you need, you, need your, you need your older players to be the right kind. And I think Peter and I were. Yeah, for the group of guys that we were working with. Certainly Peter and I couldn't have done it without them. Yeah. That's an absolute certainty. 
I mean, they had the skill, they had the ability, they had all the talent in the world. And Howard was giving them guidance perfectly on the training ground. They were just finding it difficult to put it all together on the on a Saturday or a Wednesday night. We finally got it all together and it was no surprise to me that they went and did what they did this team. It was just too good. I was speaking earlier to Graham about obviously you share similarities in being that your Scottish lads come yeah. up to Liverpool. How did you find integrating into the city? Because obviously um, something that I found very informative about the film, which I'm sure you'll see, is I was born in 98, I didn't really get to experience yeah. any of the climate, but the, the social political climate of Liverpool at the time, unemployment was high, you know, times were rough, the football provided a real out for the people of Liverpool. Yeah. Would you say that added to your connection with the supporters? I've often said, when I, get, when I got to Liverpool, I'm from Glasgow, Glasgow's, I got to Liverpool and I came in, I, I, I mingled in the city and I thought, do you know what, it is so like Glasgow, and I meant that built on a massive river the Mersey and the Clyde you know, shipbuilding and everything that came in from there was paramount to their history it was a massive part of their history a city with two big clubs Rangers Celtic, Liverpool, Everton humour of both cities, Glasgow and Liverpool I came into the city and I felt at home I really did, I said to loads of people this reminds me so much of Glasgow with a different accent and that was what I, that's what I felt like and that's that's why I felt really at home in this city Fair enough and goes without saying you were goal scorer of arguably some of the biggest goals in this, in this club's history just you know Bayern Munich yeah. the final itself obviously <coughs> you and Sharp both scored in the, the Watford final too just walk me through those emotions when you score them winning goals for Everton Football Club in Cup Finals It's well it's hard to describe I mean, emotion is, 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 is instant, you know. The, and I remember the FA Cup final. Uh, I was away and gone. Funny enough, in the, the European final, the one you mentioned that against Rapid Vienna, I, I don't know why, but I felt more in control of my emotions that day than I did at Wembley, and I don't know why. I, I know at Wembley I'd just gone. Maybe because I'd always dreamed of scoring in an FA Cup final at Wembley when I was a kid in Scotland. But... When, I, when we got to the Rapid Vienna, I think because we knew we were going to beat them, and it wasn't a surprise, when I scored that day, I was, I was fairly, if you see my celebration, it's, I'm happy, but it's, it's very much a controlled happiness. Mm -hmm. um, I just thought by then, we were a side that knew they were good, knew it would need to take a good side to beat us, and... Rapid Vienna were never going to be good enough to beat us. It's it argued the final was a bit of a non-entity, really. The final was the semi-final. The final was against that second leg in final. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you touched on it earlier in, in how you settled down into the city. You found it very similar to Glasgow. Mm -hmm. In terms of your perception of Everton Football Club before joining, I know, as I said, I've read your book in that you weren't exactly going through the rosiest of times. The club, no. Everton Football Club at the time, weren't really going through the rosiest of times. But in terms of your perception of Everton... I was thinking if you compare that to a centre-half, a centre-midfielder, I think it would be very different for a centre-forward. You've got the weight of that number nine yeah. shirt, you've got your Dixies, Tommy Lawton's fellow Scott Alex Young. Yeah, what, Joe what, Royal, yeah, Bob Lashford. How did you perceive Everton before joining? Exactly like that. I knew as a centre-forward, if I was signing for Everton, something was expected of me, something special was expected of me. Graham Sharp, one of my best mates, he's felt the same. And, he, and he's carried that number nine when he played for Everton gloriously Graham did after I left it was it was just so good to see a fellow Scott do that yeah. because it's such an important then Duncan came along after him and it just it, it, you know if you're a Scott 
Scotland and Everton, are, 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 they seem to have a link in that certain department. Alex Young, another Scot. Yeah. You know, these are, these were great players that played at the top end of the pitch for Everton. And it, when I left and Graham took over and then Duncan came in and did the same. And it would be wonderful to think another Scot would come and do the same, but I can't see any on the horizon. Not Sorry any. about that, guys. I'd love to give you a name. <laughs> I'd love to soon. give you a name, but not anytime soon, no. Any, you ask Duncan, you ask Graham. They know when you come to Everton, it's a bit like going to Newcastle and you're a number nine. Yeah. It's, it's a number. It's a number that needs respecting. I knew that and I respected it. From a, from a tactical perspective, I asked Graham before and I've got to ask you, obviously, and you've said from a spectator perspective, Inchy and Sharp were the, the greatest front two yeah. in English football at the time. Yeah. How did you have to adapt your game to play alongside Graham? I didn't. Um, no. We've talked about that before. No. I think that um, people, are, I remember it vividly. And when, when Inchy got injured, Sheffield Wednesday, I remember it to right in front of the dugout and uh, Brian Marwood tackled him and he got that horrific cruciate ligament injury and from that minute I knew because we'd been going so well there was massive pressure on me and Graham but more on me because I was going to come in and play and I was vastly different player to mm-hmm. what Adrian was I just think that Graham and I, I always said if you're an intelligent footballer you can play alongside anybody it doesn't matter what you're like and Graham and I were plus the fact we were pals and we liked each other and we spent time with each other so it wasn't like just turning up on a Saturday and getting a strip on and saying okay you two are playing together we knew each other and we talked about it and we never ran down the same channel we never went for the same ball very rarely we never played the same way when we played together we mixed it up and we were able to do that and and I think that's because we're both fairly intelligent footballers and it worked and I was it was one of the most satisfying things of my football career that at that time we could take it on because I knew there was pressure on us we could take it on and complete what Inchi had started of course and you've got to mention him you know this whole day this whole evening is about him a few yeah. words on the gaffer how was that relationship tremendous like every other player who played under Howard Kendall uh, I, 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 I don't think you would find anyone uh, and that's not just because he's not here anymore I don't think you'd find anyone who played with Howard whether they got picked or not got picked that would say they didn't like him or they didn't respect him I did both I both liked him and I both respected him and I think every player would say the same I'm I'm sad that he's not here tonight I really am sad that he's not here tonight and it's a fitting tribute because Howard Kendall has never been held up with the regard of other English managers in my opinion Um, managers like Bobby Robson Terry Venables Brian Clough always get talked about in glorious terms and very rarely do you hear the name of Howard Kendall and we should and if this film goes in some way to putting that writing not wrong but writing that so that Howard is people go wow what he did was pretty special then all of us who contributed and helped him along the way would be very happy you certainly did and Andy I, I hope you enjoyed the film mate Thank I you. certainly did I hope you have a fantastic night Thank you. thanks for the interview pleasure well there we are Thank you for listening and a huge mention, of course, has got to go to behind the scenes, John and all the technical lads that join me to make it all possible. As you could probably tell, I could have spoken to each individual for hours on end. It was clear how much playing for Everton and working under Howard meant to them. Make sure you check out Everton, Howard's Way, 
which is available now. Um, I've watched it several times and a hell of it more with each watch. Stay tuned across all the different social media platforms to stay updated on the blues and check out the video footage of the interviews on YouTube.